So this morning I want us to continue with our message from last Sunday, the message of being a new creature, a new creation. There was so much left to, that, stayed, that, that remained unpreached that's important to this extremely important doctrine of eternal security. So I want to finish up with that this morning. The key to understanding that doctrine, the doctrine of eternal security, which St. Louis Bible Fellowship strongly, strongly adheres to, is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You believe that this morning? Then you believe that you are eternally secure in Christ Jesus. That is the key, that God himself brings that act about. Matter of fact, that's what verse 18, a lot of times we'll stop at verse 17, but look at verse 18, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Not only has he saved us, not only has he made us new creatures, made us new creation in Christ, he is giving us the privilege, the blessing, to being able to share that truth with a world that so desperately needs to hear that Jesus saved. He's made us ambassadors. He's made us, given us the ministry of reconciliation. And it's God who has done all of that. He's the one who has brought about that change, that standing that has changed. You have now been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Let that sink in. You have been made, those of you who have by faith trusted Christ, you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what verse 21 says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 21 tells us that we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. What a, what a position to hold. We have gone from being in Adam, lost, alienated from God. We have gone from being in Adam to being in Christ. And that was all God's doing as he moved us from being in that lost Adam into the new man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we learned last week, he has sealed us until the day of redemption. So when we talk about being a new creature in Christ, you know, there's four little questions we can ask. Who do we come? How did that happen? Where and when? Well, the, the who is an heir of God. We become a joint heir of Christ the moment we're saved. What? What happens? We become members of the body of Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit placing us into that glorious body where He is the head. That picture sums up 
who we are in Christ, what the church, the body of Christ is. Where in the body of Christ, uh, what do we become? We become new creations. Can't even read my own writing. Where or when the moment, the moment we believe. See me later if you need all those again. But the, the who, what, the where, and the when, it's all of God's work that takes place putting us into the body of Christ, going from in Adam. And the result of being in Adam is you're dead in sin. And you go from there to being in Christ, alive, quickened by the Lord Jesus. And not only are you placed in the body of Christ, and this is kind of a review from last week. As we learned last week, you are justified, you are glorified, you are sanctified, you are sealed, you are seated. All the work of God that takes place the moment you believe. And you certainly, you certainly cannot bring that about on your own. You cannot do that on your own. Mankind may think he can do that, and that's where religions come from. That's where religious people come from, where they think they can justify their own deeds, they can sanctify, they can do their own, their own thing, but mankind, mankind cannot bring that on himself. And he finds out pretty quickly that those things he can't do, although he may try. And so what happens when man tries to do those things on his own, justification, sanctification, glorification, sealing himself, and it, it, two things happen. He either becomes really frustrated, really frustrated, and he throws his hands up and says, I can't do it. And you know what? You're right. You can't. You struggle, you struggle, you struggle, and you realize, I, I am doomed. I cannot, I, I cannot, I can't do that on my own. Or, and this is usually more likely what happens, man lowers the standards of God to fit his own religious standing, he thinks. He lowers the standards, the idea of, of man's standards lowers himself, so then man starts feeling pretty good about himself. But I've got news for them. They still haven't been, de been declared righteous. They still haven't been set apart by God. They still haven't been glorified by Him. See, that didn't happen until a person by faith, not by works, believes that Christ died for, him, for his sins, was buried, and rose again. And again, that's all by review, what we talked about last week, guaranteeing that everlasting life. Because that's what, that's what our salvation is. That's what eternal security is all about. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. What is the gift of God? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is something that God gives you when by faith, not by your works, you believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a gift because your efforts, if it's, on, if it's, if it's based on man's efforts, it is merit. You've earned it. And that's not what's pleasing to God. And you can't do it anyway. See, God's... God's desire is to save you, not to see you a good person and still die and go to hell. Does that make sense? 
God's desire is to save you. He knows you can't save yourself. By the way, that's why he's such a jealous God. See, jealousy is not a sin from God's point of view. God, that, that jealousy is because God is concerned about your eternal destiny. He loves you so very much. He wants to see you come into a right relationship with Him. He knows there are no other gods. He certainly knows you can't save yourself. And so the way God saves us in this present dispensation is by trusting Him, by faith. That's what, that's what pleases that's what pleases God. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, I mentioned the song a while ago, Rock of Ages. And I've been thinking about this song all week, and I hope I can remember this. I've just been thinking about it all week. I, I don't know why this song has just stuck in my mind. And I personally believe this is the most doctrinally correct song ever written. It's thought of nowadays as an old person's song. It's a song that you, if you want to hear it, you just go to a funeral to hear it. Am I right? Now, that's, if you're going to hear Rock of Ages, you go to a funeral. And we sing it here occasionally, but not nearly enough. By the way, I don't know if you've noticed, but the songs we sing here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship are songs doctrinally correct. They may not be the fastest, they may not be the jumpiest, they may not be the most celebratory, but they're going to be the most doctrinally correct God-honoring songs. That's what we sing here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship. And you stop and think of Rock of Ages, and we're going to sing it, and hopefully it's going to what I'm getting ready to read to you is going to breathe new life into, into the song when we sing it at the end. But the song was written by Augustus Toplady in 1776. And he died not much, long, not much longer after that. I think he was 38 when he died of tuberculosis. But Augustus Toplady. Man, this guy had a relationship with Christ. Let me tell you. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. Wow, I wish I'd written that. But it gets better. The next two verses, boy, I love these verses. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All my sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Powerful. It gets better. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to me to naked come to thee for dress, helpless come to thee for grace. Foul I do the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. 
And while I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyes shall close in death, when I rise to worlds unknown and behold thee on thy throne, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. If you don't get anything else from this Bible study last week and today, know this, our salvation, our security is because of who we are in Christ, hidden in him, sealed in him, made a new creation by him and called to serve Him. What a gift we have. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 10. This is the verse that I wanted to get into last week and didn't get a chance to do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, uh, chapter 10, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 10. As we talk about eternal security, we have a very important verse here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Now, let's read this verse and talking about eternal security, once saved, always saved. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. So, is this scripture saying that we can go out and sin willfully? No, God's righteous requirements are still the same, folks. God's holiness is still the same. I, this whole entire context is about your liberty in Christ. Just don't use your liberty to cause someone to stumble. Stumble. It's like Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, that we are to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. But you still can't go out and murder somebody. You still can't go out and steal. You can't go out and commit adultery. You can't go and do those things. But see, God's Word is making sure we understand that glorious position we have in Christ, and we're going to examine why all things are lawful. And the reason for it is because you're no longer under the law. You're under grace. No longer under the law. The law no longer has jurisdiction over you. And it's because of your identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Folks, when we're done with this, I want you to see the glorious truth of who you are in Christ, how you identify with Him, and all the glorious truth that that, that wonderful doctrine tells us about the relationship you have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And after we study this and look at this, if you go, hey, all things are lawful, I can go and do whatever I want to do, I want to talk to you about your salvation. I want to talk to you about have you truly trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? Does the Holy Spirit indwell you?
Look at Colossians. Look at Colossians. Just to be honest with you, when I study, it's hard for me to get out of Ephesians and out of Colossians because there is just so much glorious truth. And I just get, you want to camp there because of all that it says to us about who we are in Christ. Look at Colossians chapter 2. Verse 10 we talked about last week. And you are complete in Him, talking about Christ. You're complete in Christ. Nothing owing, nothing you can add. Your salvation is guaranteed, and you are complete in Christ. You're not going to get to heaven, and there's not going to be God saying, okay, well, is He short any place in in pleasing me? That'll never happen. You are complete in Christ. But look at verse 14 talking about the law no longer having jurisdiction, that, you're, that uh, all things are lawful. Because here's what's happened to the law in your situation. T- talking about the Mosaic law. And in, and in the context of that, that scripture, just like in Romans 14, it's, it's, so much of it is the ceremonial law but it's that bondage, that, that law that had Israel captive, that had mankind captive, because you want to know how you can satisfy God, then keep His law. Well, guess what man can't do? Man can't keep His law. So God Himself, God incarnate became a man, kept the law, sinless, died in our place. Death did not have a claim on the perfect Lamb of God, died in our place, paid the debt, the wages of sin is death. He paid it. He kept the law. We're in Him, so take that law. Do I fail? Absolutely. Do you fail? Absolutely. Are you safe in the Lord Jesus? Absolutely. But anyway, verse 14, I love this. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, I would say, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So when Karen submitted that verse, John 19, it is finished. Folks, it is finished. My sin, your sin, was nailed to the cross. I will. Ephesians 2. Look at Ephesians 2. Thank you, Tammy. Oh, but back to Colossians 2. I'm not finished. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 of, of Colossians chapter 2. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? It sort of sums it up. Are you dead with Christ? Have by faith you believed? Did you, you identify with his death, with his burial, with his resurrection. That's how God views you. That's how God sees you. Oh, there can't be more security than that. But look at Ephesians 2, verse 15. 
having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of two, Jew and Gentile, one new man so making peace. What a, what a plan of salvation. What a glorious truth that is. And again, don't, don't misunderstand. I'm not telling you what you to buzz out of here and leave out of here thinking that I can go out and, and live it up. Because to me, living it up is serving the Lord Jesus. That really is living it up. Abolished in the flesh. Turn to Romans 6. I was talking to Gary Miller this morning and talking about some of these scriptures. And every one, of the, every one of these scriptures that I've just used can be a sermon in itself. It can just be expanded and be expanded, especially Romans chapter 6 here. Talk about not being under the law. Talk about being under grace. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That's basically what I'm trying to say. And what does the Apostle Paul through, say through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? God forbid. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? See, when God saved me, He changed my want to. What about you? Did God change your want to? He changed my want to. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. That's where you're to consider yourself dead with Christ. And the word baptism, this has nothing to do with water here, folks. Are we all on the same page? This is spirit baptism. This is not water baptism. This is the one baptism of 1 Corinthians 12. Matter of fact, just to make sure, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 12, For as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. And whose body is that? It's the body of the Lord Jesus. He's the head. We're the body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all to drink unto one Spirit. That's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit to places us into the body of Christ. That's the baptism that you receive the moment you trust Christ. It has nothing to do with water. Matter of fact, it's the one baptism that Ephesians 4 talks about. There's one Lord. We all agree with that. There's one faith. We all agree with that. There's one God. We all agree with that. There's one baptism. Oh, no, there's, soap, there's water. There's one baptism for this present dispensation, and it is the spirit baptism. That's the one that counts. Do we believe in baptism? You bet we do. Do we practice water baptism? No, we do not. 
Do we emphasize the spirit baptism that takes place the moment you trust Christ? Absolutely. That's the one that counts. That's the one that matters. But anyway, back to Romans chapter 6. See, that could be a whole other sermon. We are baptized into Jesus Christ. We are baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. You've been made a new creation. You've been made a new creation, a a new creature. Walk in the newness of that life. Verse 5, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Oh, how wonderful that day is going to be. By the way, that's when this corruptible puts on incorruption. This mortal puts on immortality. See, until then, my body is corrupt. Until then, this body is mortal. But oh, there's going to come a time when this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. This mortal is going to put on immortality. At the rapture of the church, bring it on. Verse 6. This is the verse I want to draw your attention to. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. When he was on the cross, not only were you on his mind, you were crucified with him. It's what God's Word says. Our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. The Greek word, therefore, destroyed means to be rendered inactive. It means to be abolished. Look at 2 Timothy real quick. I'll, I'll read that to you. Tim can usually get there before I can. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter uh, 2 Timothy 1.10. But is now made, talking about his purpose and grace in verse 9, verse 10, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It's the same word. Destroy, abolish, rendered inactive. See, that's what God has done on your behalf because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross becoming sin for you even though He knew no sin that you might be made the righteousness of God in Him. This sermon is not to make you feel giddy that you can sin and get away with it. The purpose of this sin is to make you understand the extreme measures your loving God went to in order to purchase you and make you His child, His heir. And it's out of appreciation. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin.
He's made a remedy for that. This is how you are to consider yourself. As a matter of fact, he's going to go on and say that. Verse 7. For he that is dead, are you dead? In Christ you are. You identify with him. And this is how God views you. Now, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, and not his, by the way, mine, but in that he lives, he liveth unto God. Likewise, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Believer, Christian, child of God, that's how you are to reckon yourself to be dead unto sin. So, what 1 Corinthians 10, 23, when it says all things are lawful, That's what the Scripture means. You know why? Because you're dead. You identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin no longer has jurisdiction over you. Verse 12. This kind of brings the element of your will into this whole equation here. Here's how you're to reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Not dead in sin, dead to sin because of your position in Christ and you cling and you hold on to that because your spirit has been quickened. You are a child of God. But verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. See, this brings the will into it where your heart's desire is to serve the one who saved you. Your heart's desire is to walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. Verse 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law. You are under grace. Wow, what a position. You talk about security. You talk about eternal security. You talk about once you have been made a child of God, you're always a child of God. That's the position that you have. So what needs to be the expectation? What, what needs to be your reaction? Well, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service. You present your bodies a living sacrifice. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, 
but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's the expectation. Boy, we worry so much about sin, and it's no longer a sin question. It's a son question. We realize that, right? Sin has been dealt with. Sin has been paid for. It's not what are you going to do about your sin. God in His mercy and His grace has already dealt with that issue. It is paid for. The question now is what are you going to do with the son? Are you by faith going to believe? Or are you going to reject? Can you imagine dying and going to hell, living an eternity separated from God, with your sin paid for? Your sin's been dealt with. God has reconciled the world unto Himself through Christ. That means that person's been justified, declared righteous. That happens the moment a person believes the gospel. But God has already in Christ reconciled Himself from his point, he's no longer an enemy. It's man that says, I don't want to serve you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I reject you. But God is saying, pure salvation through my son. He's paid the debt. Your sin, your sin has been dealt with. Just believe. Yet people scoff at that and just reject it. But for those of us to know, we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. In short, eternal security is not a license to sin. It's a reason to serve. Amen? It's a reason to serve. By faith, I believe that my sin debt has been paid for, past, present, and future. It's an effort in futility for me to think I can do anything on my own that's going to make me right before God. It's not going to happen. You think about, well, I'm going to try this week really hard. To have my life has been a real sin pot, and I've done a whole lot of stuff that I shouldn't have done, and so I'm going to turn over a new leaf uh, I, I'm going to try to do better, and I'm going to try to balance my, all the bad things with all the good things. And, and you read a lot of what people say in their view of heaven. That's exactly what, uh, that, that's the view of heaven, that you're going to stand before the Lord, and he's going to, he is going to look at these balances, and let's look, at your, let's look at your bad deeds, let's look at your good deeds. Now, and we're getting ready to talk about the, the judgment seat of Christ, the redeeming seat of Christ in just a second going to finish up with that uh, because we're all going to have to give an answer, uh, but not for sin. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But you finally, you, you, you're trying, you're really hard, and, and you think, I've gotten the victory here. I, I'm living the, the Christian life, and I, I'm doing good, and then splat. Something happens, and you sin. Uh-oh, I've lost it. Well, no, you haven't. Can you imagine? You've lived for the Lord and you've, you're, you're, you've served Him and you've done, you, you've done 
you've worked hard to serve Him and put Him first in your life, and then something happens and you sin, and the rapture takes place. Or you die. Or you die. You're not lost. You're a child of God. You're a new creation. Your sin has been dealt with. It's been paid for. You eternally secure. There are no oops with God. There is no you didn't measure up. Because you can't. But his son, his son measured up. And you're in him. He died. You identify with his death, his burial, his resurrection, his baptism, his circumcision. Do I go on and on? Colossians 2 is what it talks about. We identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. You are an heir of God because of who you are in Christ. It's not because you attend St. Louis Bible Fellowship. You're smart because you attend St. Louis Bible Fellowship. But that's not what makes you an heir of God. That's not what makes you saved. That's not what makes you a new creation. Unfortunately, a lot of churches today preach performance-based salvation. None of the kingdom program, that was, that had to be. There were works of righteousness that were required. We talked about that last Sunday. The reliance on what they do, not on what Christ has done. And today we put our, we put our confidence in the complete and finished work of Christ Jesus on Calvary's cross. So don't get me wrong. We are all going to have to stand and give an account before the Lord. Look at Romans chapter 14. But I'm here to tell you, it's not for your sins. Your sins have already been dealt with, paid for. Romans 14, verse 12. Let's start with verse 11. Uh, No, start with verse 10. Sorry, Tim. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. Believe this is the reward seat. This is not, are you saved or are you lost? This is not the great white throne judgment for the lost. We must, we, Paul, talking to the Gentiles in Rome, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. The same verses quoted in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12, so then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us. The word account 
it, it's the same word as word. That's what the Greek word is there. It means word. Every one of you is going to have to give a word to God. Every one of you is going to have to give an answer to God for the deeds done in this body. According to first, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. You're going to have to give an answer. doesn't say you're going to have to pay for your sins. I, I think the answer is, well, look at Second Corinthians chapter 3. I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You're going to have to give an answer for how you handled this. You're going to have to give an answer for how you handled the Word of God. You're going to have to give an answer for how you served faithfully. For the deeds done in this body, whether good or bad, you're going to have to give an answer. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's start with verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. You are His till fill. That's what you are, believer. You're God's till fill. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another built thereon. But let us, but let every man take heed how he builds thereon. You have a responsibility, Christian, to build upon that foundation of faith, that foundation of truth that God has given to each and every one of you. Never think that it's only the pastor's job to study. It's, don't think it's just the pastor's job to know what the Bible says. Don't think it's just the pastor's job to witness. Every one of us have that calling on our lives. But let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones. Hey, those are good things, right? Boy, that's, those are valuable things on that foundation. But it also mentions wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and stubble. Some of those things are precious and won't burn up. Some of those things, whew. But there's still works, still deeds. Verse 13, every man's work, every man's work, and that's ladies too in case you're wondering, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it. That is the judgment. That's the Bema seat of Christ. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. You see this part? But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. That's God's word. Personally, I believe so as by fire. Fire is a cleansing. Fire is... 
it's, it, it'll just, it just reveals. And that you think about the judgment seat of Christ and you go to Revelation and it describes the Lord Jesus in his exalted state on his throne and he is eyes of fire burning. I think it's going to be he's just going to look at us. I think it's going to be his look and it's going to be made manifest every single one of us. Eternally secure because we are an heir of God. We are a joint heir of Christ. The sin debt has been paid for. But what have you done with those gifts, those talents, those abilities? What have you done for the Lord Jesus? Yes, we are eternally secure. That eternally that eternal security means we don't have to worry about our own salvation. We can worry about our next-door neighbors and make sure they hear the glorious gospel. One more real quick scripture. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 3. I can't fully understand this verse, but I sure love it. it was, I sure love it. 1 Corinthians 4, let's start with verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of with judgment, Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby judged or justified? But he that judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Shouldn't that be reversed? That every man should praise God? The Holy Spirit has it right here. On that judgment day, then every man shall have the praise of God. How in the world do you deserve that? Because you are in His Son. You are in Christ Jesus. Eternity for all eternity. You don't want to be part of the great white throne judgment. If you know Christ, you're part of the Bema Seat. Don't have to give an answer. Not for your sin, but for the work you've done on his behalf. For a reward, not for sin. But at the great white throne, those of where the lost gather, you don't want to be there. You do not want to be there. And then Revelation 21.12 says that every man is judged out of the books by their works. You don't want to be there. You don't have to be there. By faith, you can trust Christ here today. You are eternally secure in Christ.
you're not in Christ, eternity is in your future. But that's the second death. You don't want that kind of eternal future separated from God. Pat, come over here to the, to the piano. Let's pray while Pat comes. Father, we just thank you for that eternal security. Father, we come before you acknowledging that nothing in our hands we bring, simply to the cross we cling. Father, we come acknowledging that there's nothing we can do to deserve, to earn, to merit that salvation. So, Father, not only have you saved us, not only have you made us eternally secure, but, Father, you've made us your heirs. All that the Lord Jesus inherits, we too inherit. Father, that salvation is mind-boggling. And I'll be the first to stand here and say, I do not deserve it. And I thank you for your son. And Father, just pray that every person here this morning knows you as Savior. That by faith they've trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And we pray these things in his holy and most precious name. Amen.